Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Listeners, I hope you're somewhere safe and secure, as things are about to get dangerous. In this episode of Nighttime, we're going to come face to face with one of the most prosecuted people in Nova Scotia's history. Our guest is a criminal so hardened that when I asked him for an estimate on the length of his rap sheet, he simply drew a blank and giggled. But as I found out, that's probably for the better. Listing the charges this man has faced would be about as interesting and as exhausting as reading through the Canadian Criminal Code. To put it bluntly, on paper, his legal history would make him look like the kind of guy public enemy number one is afraid of. But as you'll soon learn, there's a lot more to it. When the layers of legalese are all peeled back, this isn't the story of a career criminal. It's the story of a man who simply wanted to hang out with his friends at Tim Hortons, drinking coffee in the parking lot. The problem started, however, when he lost his license and bought a horse as a way to get around town. But if this man on horseback was a can of gasoline, the match that would ignite the whole mess would be a dispute he had with the management of his small town Tim Hortons. After several instances of his horse answering the call of nature on their property, he was told that he, nor his chestnut quarter horse Dylan, were welcome on the property any longer. And it was a demand he refused to obey. Now, nearly 20 years after the events that made him and his horse international news, he's willing to tell his story. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, we're going to be joined by the coffee cowboy, Robert Chetwind. And our topic is the series of events that would start in a Tim Hortons parking lot and end with him in exile in Mexico. Robert, where are you from originally? I know I know you're out of the country now, but you're originally from like the Barrington area, Nova Scotia? Yeah, originally from Nova Scotia, born in Yarmouth. And like earlier in your life, is that where you were raised? Like you spent most of your time in, in, in and around Yarmouth? Yeah, so my teenage years was uh, in Prince Rupert, British Columbia. Okay, and I, I know we have a, a mutual friend, uh, uh, Dickie Wick- Wilkins. I know him as Laurie Wilkins, who was the That's right. the eyewitness from the Shag Harbor UFO event. So you, you run in an interesting circle. I guess you and Laurie would have been connected through through like your your work fishing. That's correct. Annie came out here when I first purchased the sailboat and uh, sailed around uh, Victoria, British Columbia, with me for oh, summer. Oh, nice. Neat. I guess you guys must have had some interesting talks about who had the more interesting background, the UFO witness or the coffee cowboy. You're an interesting pair. <laughs> uh, we, we never we discussed the UFO thing a few times, but, you know, he knew he knew what was going on with the horse, so he was just a supporter, okay. one of my supporters. Nice. That's a, that's good. Now, the story we're going to hear is is not so much about your, your youth or your exile in Mexico where you are now. It's that of your time known as as the coffee cowboy. And I guess the best part, the best place to start with a story 
is probably in, in, I think it was in the late 90s when you lost your license because that kind of sets the stage for what's going to happen. Are, are you, can you tell me how you came to lose your license? Like, what's the story with that? Um, I had my license disqualified for driving multiple times, drinking and driving, twice, matter of fact. Okay, and this would have been in the, the late 90s. Did you ever get your license back or, or is it still like if you come to Nova Scotia, you cannot drive, I guess? No, the uh, the courts have set it up so I'm one of three people in all of Canada that can never get my license back. Wow. Okay, and that and I guess that's something that happens if you have multiple offenses. I guess is why that would have. Uh, well, it's it's something that the crime prosecutor made sure that happened. Okay, and I guess when we get talking, we'll get into it. You're no friend to prosecutors or the legal system in Nova Scotia. I when I was going through like researching your story and. I couldn't even keep track of how many charges were against you. And it all seemed to kind of stem from this whole situation with, with your horse and the license. Like, are, do you even know your, your present legal situation now in Nova Scotia? No. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, is that like, cause I'm talking to you on the internet, you're in Mexico and you said yourself, you're considering it that you're in exile. Is that why you left Nova Scotia in Canada just to get away from this whole mess? Just to get away from the, the justice system in my area. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, We'll jump back in time. So as we just said, late 90s, you had a couple of uh, uh, run-ins with the law for drunk driving. You lost your license. And you had said as well, you grew up in the area of Yarmouth and working around Barrington. That's not the kind of place you can exist without some form of transportation. It's not like you can hop on the on the bus that that takes you to the, you know, the the wharf in, in Yarmouth, I don't imagine. Correct. There's there's no public transportation. There's not even a taxi in my area. Yeah. And so you found an interesting way to continue your life without operating a vehicle. Why don't you tell me how you came to use a horse as your mode of transportation? Well, it was all by accident. I actually just one day went to uh, Shelburne and I met a friend and he happened to have a horse and we went and looked at it, and I fell in love. It wasn't that I was trying to prove anything. It was just a, a love affair that automatically happened. I said, I'm buying this horse, and I paid for a horse right then and there. Wow. Did you have any background with, with horses? Like, it's not that, like, I could go see a horse and fall in love, but I can't imagine buying one and bringing it home. Like, it seems like you have to have a background in that. No background whatsoever. I never even had a fence set up. The first night I brought the horse home, I had to tie it to the barn. By the third day, I'd been kicked. I'd been bitten. And I said, I'm going to figure this out. Wow. Yeah, that says something about your uh, your grit and determination. I, I couldn't I, – if I brought a, a cat or a dog home tonight, I think the, the next couple of weeks would be crazy, let alone bringing a horse without a fence or I wouldn't even know what the, where to start with feeding it. Jellohead's your nickname, right? Is that what you're known as around there? Around that area, yes. Yeah, because I've I've always known you as as the coffee cowboy. Because when you were in like your story that we'll get into, this was covered all across Nova Scotia, across Canada, and I'm sure there's international articles covering the story of has to be. Yeah, the the coffee cowboy, and this is this is one of my favorite stories. I've been 
I went on quite an odyssey to try to track you down. When I first learned about about you, I was I couldn't find you online, but I was phoning and writing to all the different Chetwins in that area, and everyone kind of mm-hmm. knew you, but no one seemed to know where you were. You're you're quite the man of mystery, it seems. That's just the way I want to keep it. <laughs> Good. Well, I won't uh, I won't mm-hmm. uh, identify your location in Mexico. You're on the uh, the the Chetwind compound somewhere uh, in a very rural area. Let's just keep it at that. Uh, okay. So, so let's get into it. So you, you got the horse. You're using that as your main mode of transportation. So you're driving it down the road. You're going to work on the horse. If you want to get a coffee, you're going to go through the drive through on your horse. That's right. And you're going to the grocery store to buy potatoes and rice. Yeah, and before the trouble started, what was the reaction you got? Were people kind of surprised to see, you know, Jellohead rolling up on a horse? Very surprised, really enjoying it. Yeah. As I learned how to train a horse, people really started to appreciate what I was learning. Yeah, because I've seen you photographed your your right downtown. People are petting the horse, and you're you know there in traffic. So it seemed like initially things were working out, but. The trouble really starts at the Barrington Tim Hortons. Like, what is the what was the first sign of of trouble? Like, was it just someone saying, you know, keep the horse away from here? Like, how did this all start? I called up the owner and asked for him to install a hitching post because the old laws dictate that every business is supposed to have a, a hitching post and a watering trough. <laughs> all right. So that that's what started it. And he said, well, I don't want you on my property. Okay, so we go to Tim Hortons, we get a coffee, we stand in the parking lot drinking our coffee, talking with associates and friends, and the uh, RCMP pulls up and says, you've got to leave. I say no. And they don't, they don't like that. <laughs> and because you, you've been there a lot, like the empl- I understand the employees like dug the horse when you went through. They were give it, the horse Dylan. They were giving it treats and stuff. Is like the employees? No, were- they would. Well, they was not not at Tim Hortons, McDonald's, and other takeouts and stuff. Yes, yeah. McDonald's, no. Right from okay, so they were just un, you were unwelcome there. I heard, um, and I don't know if this is true, but some of the some of what I read said they had a problem with the horse. I don't know what you would say, call it, using the bathroom on their property. Right. Sure. Let's use it whatever term. You know, it's, it's part of nature. We all do that. And I always cleaned up extremely well. It might have happened twice, maybe three times. Let me just ask, how do you clean that up? It's not like a dog. Uh, you, 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 I used to carry a dustpan and a um, small broom. Tied right to my saddle. Okay, well that's I, yeah, that makes sense. So they they no. they didn't install the hitch uh, in the watering trough as you requested. They had some issues with you um, with the horse using the bathroom or whatever on their property, which which you cleaned up. They asked you not to come back, but eventually it would ask. They never no. They never asked me not to come back. No. 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 They was told to serve me coffee. And then to call the RCMP, which is entrapment. Because once you're a paying customer, you have a right to stay there and enjoy your coffee. Mm, good point. I should have been refused service, first of all. Oh, okay. Then they have a right to call the police. So how did it escalate? So I, I understand at one point there was a prote- – I believe there was a protection order issued from Tim Hortons to you. How did it get to that point? Um, you would have to probably talk to the Crown Prosecutor about that, but that was just all uh, through me going to Tim Hortons, and I don't even know if we went to 
trial, if we went to court about that, I don't know how that was imposed correctly. Ultimately, though, it would lead to a, a situation, and I believe it was in August of '03, that is just now looked at as almost like this mythical event. And I'm sure the story I know is filled with exa- exaggeration and mistruths, or you know, uh, the the way I understand it is that. Ultimately, it was almost like a high-speed chase with you on a horse ramming the police cars. But I'm sure that's not the truth. What actually went down the day that this all hit its head? Um, that day, I pulled into the Tim Hortons. That's actually the day I believe that the uh, uh, that I first appeared on TV and the newspapers with my story. So I did the usual thing, and I pulled into Tim Hortons. And the police was already there waiting for me because they didn't like that I had, uh, you know, gone to the media and got some national coverage or whatever. So when I pulled in, mm-hmm. they just surrounded me. And the woman caught, she grabbed the uh, reins of the horse and she was pulling on the reins so hard that she was forcing the horse to back up towards the police vehicle that was parked behind me. Okay. So, and and is that where the story of you ramming a horse comes from? The horse just backed up into the car? No, no, no. I don't even think it hit the car, but the police officer was pulling on the reins, trying to get the horse out of the way or whatever, but she was pulling on the reins and making the horse back up. There's witnesses Mm -hmm. to that. There's no way that I ran no police vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't know if you could, I don't know a lot about training a horse, but it seems like, that would take some like a specialized training to convince a horse to, you know, to do something like that. So uh, I, I don't think it's possible, right? If you see a brick wall, you're going to stop before you see the brick wall before you hit the brick wall. Yeah, exactly. And so there, so you're there. They surround you. They're grabbing at your horse. What happens from there? Um, I am arrested. I refuse to get into the police vehicle. I was pepper sprayed and then stuffed and taken to jail. And what did they do with the horse? I can't imagine they threw that in the back of a paddy wagon or something. They had it all planned because, you know, I'd go to Tim Hortons every evening to chat with my friends and, and, and stuff like that. And uh, they had it all planned. They had a somebody there with a trailer to put the horse in and everything okay. and take it away. And they kept the horse away from me for three years. Wow. As all the legal stuff was going on. Because you've been in and out of court forever after this happened. And your the horse was just oh, yeah, yeah. somewhere. But I'm sure... I used to ride the horse to yeah. the local courtroom with my uh, riding helmet on and the crop and my briefcase. <laughs> and I'd walk in, Mr. Chetwin representing Mr. Chetwin, Your Honor. So, and you represented yourself in all this. That's, yes. that's, I wish I could have attended that, those, some of those hearings. So what was ultimately, what was the legal battle? Like you, the, the way you just described it, they let you come on the property and buy the horse or, or buy the coffee with your horse and then kind of jumped on you. Um, what was your, were you defending like, um, charges of trespassing or resisting arrest? Like what ultimately, what was the battle between you and the legal system here? I'm the type of person, you can cut me and I'll bleed and it doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. If you've done me wrong, I'm going to try to get you whatever way I have to. So if this was a, a battle in court with the law, you want to fight with using words, I'll try to fight you. It doesn't matter how you want to fight. You want to fight me with your fist or you want to fight me with words or laws. If you've done me wrong, I'm going to hold my line. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fight 
fight you every time I will. And so you're, did you have any specific case or you just felt like this was unfair? And like, I've heard you referred to as like the most prosecuted guy in Nova Scotia or like the, you know, public enemy number one of, you know, the South Shore's legal system. What, like what, maybe so. What did they have against you other than you just weren't willing to not take your horse to Tim Hortons? Uh, I just, I, I don't know. I think it's my attitude. You know, if, if I think I'm doing right, I'm going to continue on doing what I'm doing. You're, you're not going to stop me. If I believe it's right, I'm going to continue on doing it. And the, uh, mm-hmm. the judge just didn't like it. Me uh, pulling in with my horse and tying it to a post next to his car and stuff. Me through the window and he'd, he'd stand there with his hands on the hips and then he'd abruptly close the curtains and stuff like that. So, Yeah. And how did you how did you fare? Like representing yourself must not have been easy. Just like you didn't have any experience with a horse, you figured that out. What about the representing yourself as a lawyer? Did you manage to get your feet under you? Yeah, now I I've, since I've been through the court system so much, yeah, I kind of uh, know how it works now. And what was the end result of of the charges stemming from that day? What like uh, did you have did you? You eventually, I think you pled guilty, but then changed your plea and, and went to court on it. Is that what happened? That is correct. It's been a long time ago, but yeah, I remember that. Yes, yes, I did change my mind. And uh, I forget what all happened. It's been so long. But it, it doesn't seem like you take the, the charges too seriously. Like it's, no, when, when I no. look through it, it's. You, you do your own thing. I can I can tell by reading all the various articles and the amount of times that you were you know arrested and tried or charged with different things related to this. I could even tell in reading the CBC articles about you, they weren't able to figure out exactly what was what was happening. There was so much going on. They must have spent a fortune, you know, trying to convict you of these different offenses. What did you have to pay to defend yourself, or, or was this all just you just show up? I, I just show up and play it by ear. Wow. Yeah, okay, that's what you're saying. Here's my defense. I tried to go under, like, a human right as, uh, you know, I had the freedom to move freely throughout Nova Scotia, and they was uh, not permitting me to do that. And also, after that day, what was it, September the 3rd, you had said? I, I think it was late August uh, 2003. After that, some people had a protest. And they went there on their horses, and they were served coffee by the owner because the media was there. When, uh, when this was going on the whole time, uh, Mr. Tim Hortons had never, ever seen me there. He just told his staff to serve him coffee and to call the RCMP. That is entrapment. That is wrong. Once you've served me, I'm a paying customer. They should have refused me. This all come out in court. But the judge still uh, uh, pleaded with the defendant, uh, with the uh, plaintiff, because they are best friends. Oh, interesting. Sorry to pull you away from the episode, but I want to take a moment to thank the subscribers of the Nighttime Premium Feed as it's their support that makes this show possible. If any of you listening enjoy Nighttime and aren't subscribed to the premium feed, let me take a quick moment and explain what you're missing. 
For about the price of a cup of coffee, you can subscribe to a different podcast feed in which the episodes are posted earlier than here in the free feed and are done without any advertising. But there's more benefits to the premium feed than simply better versions of the free content. The premium feed also includes post-show discussions and a variety of additional content that will take you even further into the rabbit holes. So if you got a couple dollars to pitch in towards the creation of Nighttime, the premium feed is for you. You can access the premium feed at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. So with that said, again, a huge thanks to all subscribers to the premium feed and a thank you to everyone else listening for considering it. Now, let's get back to the episode. Like when, when I look at the story as an outsider, it seems like it's way blown out of proportion. The, their, their fear of having you on the property with, you know, with your horse pooping, I guess. Like, what do you think caused all this? Why did they have such an issue with it? I, and just to back it up, I, I, just when I was Googling like Tim Horton's horse, I was finding articles where it was almost like this celebrated thing that like an RCMP officer on a horse would go through the drive through or someone on their wedding day would take the horse to Tim Horton's. What was the problem with Robert Chetwin doing it in Barrington? Because I asked for a hitching post and they said, I'm not putting in no hitching post and I don't want you on my property. Oh, shit. Okay. They, so you just rubbed them the wrong way and that started it, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So he wanted to use all his authority and money and, and I said, okay, I have nothing to lose, nothing to gain. Let's do this. <laughs> and uh, I was going sometimes, you know, seven to ten times a day. In the wintertime, I would even hook up the sleigh and take the sleigh up and go and get a coffee. <laughs> and where did you tie your horse up if they didn't install this post? Um, most of the time, I would remain. See, the first few times that I showed up there, I would tie the horse to the telephone pole or whatever, and they didn't like that. Then that's how it kind of evolved that I asked for the hitching post. Okay. So... They never put in no hitching post, so I started driving through the drive-thru because I would tie the horse up, go inside, sit at a table, have my coffee, do my thing. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, okay. Yeah. I, I laugh just because of it seems so innocuous what you were doing, yet it blew up to like one of the most you know talked about stories of its time when this all actually went down. And it just made international newsmaker of the year that year. I did 2002, 2003. Wow, you're in McLean's magazine, did a big piece on it. I, I read, I think they called their piece a yeah, they called the piece a, a double double in an oat cake, was the name of their article, which was nice. Also, I never ever got to see the uh, articles that Frank would have, you know, the Halifax magazine. I never ever seen none of their articles. Interesting, I wish I'd get to see them. All right, I'll see what I can do yeah. about getting them for you, and if I can, I'll send them to you. That would be great. Yeah. So while this all is happening in the courts, you representing yourself and all these legal battles happening, your horse Dylan is being taken care of somewhere. When did you actually get reunited with the horse? You said it took about three years? Yeah, over three years. Wow. That's because I finally like, hey, they've taken my horse. This is really starting to get bad now. Mm -hmm. So I hired a lawyer. But, of course, the lawyer is friends with the guy that owns Tim Hortons, as well as the judge. So they played it, they played it for themselves. They kept it at the court for three years, you know, so the, the story sort of went underneath the rug, and, you know, 
and the judge, when he finally gets to hear the case, you know, the animal cruelty and stuff, blah, blah, blah. My lawyer convinced me, oh, yeah, plead guilty to this and this and this, and everything's better. So, yeah, I had to plead guilty to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the judge gives me back the horse, but it was all rigged. The, mm -hmm. the law in Nova Scotia, small town Nova Scotia, makes me mm -hmm. sick. Yeah, and it seems like he took the – got the – short end of the stick the whole way through i don't know i haven't met you personally but in short end of the stick my yeah, whole life and just reading the story it's like uh the amount of kind of trouble you found yourself in for none of the articles seem to say you know and, and chetwind went out of control and attacked somebody it's always he didn't have a license got a horse and the amount of trouble you found yourself in as a result of that is just incomprehensible and the amount of Money the province must have spent keeping you and your horse away from Tim Hortons is uh, unimaginable. Mm -hmm. You know, the first thing they should have done was refuse mm -hmm. me service, right? As soon as the RCMP showed up there, see me drinking a coffee, they said, sure, they said, hey, Mr. Chetworth, have a nice mm -hmm. day. Because it was none of their business. I was a mm -hmm. paying customer. Yeah, I can under I can understand that, that point. And when you eventually mm -hmm. pled guilty, did you ever have to do jail time as a result of these offenses? I think I did 30 okay. days, yes. Yes, 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 because when I left when I left the courthouse, or when I left the uh, jailhouse, I had somebody there that had a horse waiting for me. I left on horseback. Wow. That's a kind of a symbolic way to leave the prison in, in your case, I think. First person, first person in 105 years to leave the uh, leave the jailhouse on horseback. Now, when... And that's the old old okay. jail in Yarmouth. Now, when does this story all end? Because I, I know it doesn't end with you getting out of prison because I've seen more recent articles about you and you're not in Nova Scotia now. Like, what led to you leaving? Did you find – leaving Nova Scotia? Like, did you find yourself in new trouble or is it this – I just wanted to change – no, no, just wanted a change of life. Had some money saved up, so I decided to buy a sailboat in Vancouver and – and take off sailing. And now you're, like you said, living in exile. You're in Mexico. Do you do you ever plan to come back to Nova Scotia? Oh yeah, I'll be back in uh, December for a month. Oh nice. And so I guess yeah. you're you're free to come back. It's not like there's warrants and they're looking for you down here to waiting for you to walk into Tim Hortons with a horse. <laughs> you never know what I might do. <laughs> well, I'm afraid to watch uh, to watch the news. Hopefully, I don't see you in it for anything other than, um, you know, a, an apology from Trudeau for all the trouble they gave you and Dylan at Tim Hortons. Do, do you still have a horse? Uh, no, no, at this time. But I have been uh, volunteering at a local animal shelter here, and once well, we get involved with horses here. So they they've been uh, let me ride some horses down here. Mm -hmm. Nice. So your present situation... And it's commonplace. Oh, yeah. And it's commonplace down here. People's riding horses all the time. You know, there's uh, buggies down here that was a car at one time. They have no motor. They have it hooked up to a horse. So it's, it seems like the present situation for the coffee cowboy then. It seems like things are working out. you got a good life. You still have access to horses. And mm -hmm. you're, you're able to come and go to Nova Scotia. Yeah. And the law here doesn't bother me whatsoever. What is a... With this whole story being as strange as it is, is there any kind of part of the story that the public doesn't know that they should know or anything that just didn't manage to make headlines that you think is important for people to know about you or your story? Well, a lot of people from what they had seen on the news believe that I was trying to take my horse into Tim Hortons. I don't know why they, they think that's happening, but no, I'd always just go to the drive-thru. Mm-hmm. 
So the couple of times people have asked me, like, did you try to take the horse into Tim Hortons? No, I never, ever tried to do that. I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. And how did the, the relationship between you and Dylan end? Like, you don't have the horse with you now. Did you, did you sell it or did the horse pass I, away? I actually ended up selling it to the lady that was taking care of him for the three years when he was in protective custody. She fell in love with him so much that uh, that's the lady that I sold the horse to eventually. Okay, well, that, that's a happy ending on, on that front as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think event, someone needs to hear your story and um, do it like a documentary or something to redeem you. And because uh, this is it's a fantastic story. And although it's um, although it's uh, several years have passed since it, this all happened, it was really back, you know, oh, three to 2010 basically that this was going on mm-hmm. it's still often talked about and it's it's like a legendary story in that area the story of the coffee cowboy and it's taken on like almost mythical proportions where the story i heard involved like a high-speed chase through the, the center of the city but that didn't actually happen it seemed like it was all resolved in the tim hortons parking lot yeah yeah it's always happened right there in the tim hortons parking lot i could go to any other takeout and they would serve the horse lettuce and everything else and they would like you know the kids would come running out and the parents would come running out and it was all <laughs> beautiful the way that it was all supposed to be but every time i went mm-hmm. to tim hortons that was you know like the, the the worst thing on i could ever do let me ask you then why yes. why is it that you chose to always go to tim hortons like i a part of me thinks like you're just a bit of a like a your own worst enemy, and you you kind of took on took the bull by the horns, so to speak, when they turned you away. What made you continue to go to Tim Hortons? Very easy. Where does everybody go? Where do you go to socialize nowadays? Everybody mm-hmm. goes to Tim Hortons. I'm a social person. That's... I love making friends. I have lots of friends. It's a small community. Where was everybody else? They was always at Tim Hortons. Where do I go to see my friends? Tim Hortons. If they was somewhere else, I would have went somewhere else. Well, I'm simply speechless about this. But let me say, drunk driving is a serious and not at all funny thing. But everything else about this story, I just can't help but smile. There was no one hurt, and there didn't seem to be any real property damage. It's all just a rather eccentric guy who refused to keep his horse away from Tim Hortons. And the rebel in me can appreciate that. So with the tip of my hat to the coffee cowboy, I'm going to start wrapping up this episode. But before we do part, I'm going to end with thanks. First, a major thank you to Robert Chetwind, the coffee cowboy, for sharing his story with us. As well, I need to give a big thanks to everyone who worked hard to help me find him. And then, most importantly, a huge thank you to the listeners of Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show wouldn't be possible. But with that said, the battle is still raging on, and I need as many of you to have my back as possible. So if you want to help keep this show rolling, let me recommend the premium feed. Not only does it make the show possible, it gives you more of each topic than you'll find on the free feed. Shortly after the release of this episode, the post-show nightcap episode will be released exclusively on the premium feed. In that episode, I'll be discussing the Coffee Cowboy with my buddy Leroy Luna. Now, having brought up the premium feed, let me thank the newest members. Fiona, John, Fain, 
Greg Chandler, Leslie, Sean, Reed, Aisha, and Vicky. Thank you for your generous support, and I'm sorry if I butchered your names. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show, but can't help financially, you can give me a big hand by simply liking and sharing the episodes across social media. If you aren't following me there, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I use the handle at NighttimePod. And if you have any story ideas, or if you want to give me feedback on the show, you can reach me at NighttimePodcast.com slash contact. Now until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and if your horse poops at Tim Hortons, clean it really, really well. And of course, don't drink and drive ever. Get a cab, call a friend, or just walk. You could probably use it. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. And there is a rap song written about me. Oh, is there? Yes, there is. It's uh, by the South Shore Sound Squad, and it's called www.jellohead.com. And the ride through, ordering up trouble at Tim Horsens. I continued on taking my horse to Tim Hortons, to the drive through and going in. Live from our Maritime News Center, this is the ATV Evening News. Here is Matt Dahl. Yo, here's a little story about a man who's going to make a million off of Tim Hortons. He got caught driving drunk and he went to court. The judge was just joking when he said, man, go get a horse. But he took it to heart and went to get Dylan. Got in trouble when the horse started spilling. In the drive-thru, Robert just wanted a donut. But Dylan's messes were a pretty sneaky roadblock. So the owners told Mr. Chetwin, if you don't stop bringing that horse through the drive-thru, we'll teach you a lesson. But Jella wouldn't listen and he perused the law and said, y'all supposed to have a watering post, y'all. Went to Phil Starr and told him this was wasn't fair. God made transportation. Why should he have to walk anywhere? Phil Starr said you want to make a million or two or three? Listen to me. Five o'clock news. ATV. Cover page in Australia. I'm telling ya. I'm gonna make a star out of ya. A voice came to Jella. If you make this choice. Front page Toronto Star and the Trailer Park Boys. Robert enjoys his horse. The cops confiscated Dill for mischief. Sprayed them both with pepper spray. Dylan flipped kid. It took three hours just to get him down. Three cops, two cruisers right there in the middle of town. Right down by the quick Way. They told Robert, get, get off, off your horse. horse. He just said, no, no way. His name is Jello. Hey. When the cops just look for Dylan. Just look for Dylan. Just look I had lost Dylan. my license for drinking and driving. Drinking and driving. Jello, hey. Touched my horse. I'll see you in court. See you in court. Now he's back see in the saddle. See you in court. You know you're barren when you're driving down the block And you see a horse and rider in the superstore parking lot Weeks went by, kicking up dust with his furs Signs all over the place, it's a Dylan for Prime Minister Ads that move travel, special prices for Dominican The line under that line was the one that said free Dylan Even Shag Harbor General Store had a sign Said Jello Head, you can tie your horse here anytime Give me a fill up, he tell the fellas pumping gas Ten dollars worth of oats and everyone would have a laugh He said, yo Higgs, all I'm trying to do is to get hurt By the way, do you know where I can get my Mustang shirt? I said, my girl and sells insurance like 50 a quarter and by the way man what's up with this new court order he said it's crazy man i don't even know myself i just live day to day and work on my barn style house he wants a double double but he got double trouble and then i thought it'd be the perfect mode of transportation Trans transportation the manure the manure 
Optimum new one. 